heard uh, through the grapevine or whatever. It's fairly new, uh, new news, I guess. Um, but we are moving um, pretty soon, um, probably uh, in early summer. Uh, we're gonna we're gonna, not gonna be here anymore at Parkview, um, and. I don't know if you're excited about it. Uh, if you've known about it for a couple of days, and maybe you're excited by now. If you're just hearing it for the first time, maybe it hits you as exciting. Maybe it hits you as confusing. Um, I go back and forth, you know, but uh, most of the time, 99.9% uh, of the time, I'm really, really excited. And um, let me just kind of just tell you what's going on. Uh, if you're here for the first time tonight, um, I, I promise you it's not going to be like a business meeting. But it's going to sound a little bit like a business meeting for a few minutes. Um, we, uh, we started as a college ministry in 1998, which means that this March we will um, have a birthday. We won't celebrate it, but it's kind of, if you look at it, a decade of ministry and stuff. Um, in 2000, in January of 2000, um, through a, a month's time of prayer, uh, we felt like God was telling us that we would start a church. Uh, we would take this college worship service, and at some point, this college worship service called The Ring would become a church of um, basically a, a normal church with grown-ups and kids and everybody um, that has a, a, a real heart for college ministry um, one day we would become a church, but we didn't know when that was. And so for six years, we just kind of sat on that and, and um, prayed on, and just trusted that God would show us when, when the time would, would be right. In February of 2006, we launched as a, as a mission church under Parkview Baptist Church. Um, in March of 2007, we constituted, which means we were no longer under Parkview. Now we were alongside them. Um, and so there's no authority over us other than Jesus. Uh, and so, um, so we just celebrated our two-year birthday a couple weeks ago. Well, the Tuesday before we, would, before we celebrated our birthday, um, the pastor at Parkview um, set up a meeting with me, and uh, his name is, is Colin Wimberly, and, um, and he's new on the scene as well. And so we met about a, and talked about a couple other things, and then he said, he said, look, he said, you just need to know that, um, you know, I've been here for a couple of months, and I've got, I feel like God's bringing us in some directions to get some new things going here, and Sunday night is when a lot of those things are going to happen, and the space where you guys are is the space that we need for some of those things to go down, and he said, so you just need to know that your group is going to be affected by, you know, by things, and which is partially why we were in the new gym last week and we've been in sanctuary some we kind of have hopped around lately and basically what he was saying is that's going to start to happen more and more and um it's it's because you know because god's growing park view and he's like handed down some vision for what they need to do and um it's has nothing to do with uh like they're not unhappy with us they're not kicking us out um we didn't make anybody mad. We didn't stack them 11 high instead of 10 high. You know, I mean, like everything's cool. Uh, he was just very, very gracious and, and whatever. And so he said, I'm not telling you that you have to go. And he said, what I am telling you is this is where we're going, and you're going to be affected by that. And so that might affect the way you guys pray about your timeline and stuff. So that was on a Tuesday. And so I emailed the elders. We were going to meet the next night and told them what, what happened and said, you need to show up for the meeting ready to talk about this. And so we came to the meeting that night, 
And when we uh, start looking at uh, Scripture first, it's how we always start our meetings. And it was just, it was cool. And we started getting excited. And um, so we decided what we would do is, is basically there were, were two more weeks till we met again. And then we, had, uh, we have um, a meeting for our membership about three times a year. And then, um, so we wanted to kind of bring some stuff to the membership to let them know what's going on and be able to bring things on Sunday and not keep it under wraps too long. So we had about two weeks. And in those two weeks, uh, we decided that we would uh, pursue uh, and, and pursue every option we could, we could think of that was feasible. So that um, instead of just like panicking, like, what do we do? We at least could say, okay, we're, we've looked into this and this and this and this and let God kind of narrow some things down. And um, Part of you didn't really give us a timeline other than um, it's going to, some things are going to increase steadily. And then probably when school starts is, is going to be a time where they're going to kick off some new, some new things. And so, um, so we knew we didn't have a year. We knew we only had a couple of months and, um, so we looked into a couple of things. I have a buddy who's in commercial real estate, and he looked into a couple of buildings that were for lease, and that didn't work because we just can't afford basically to lease the size space that we need. We're just an awkward size. We're too big to fit in most, too big to fit in the places we can afford unless we were to do like three services, which we're not going to do. And... And so, uh, so that they really that just didn't really pan out, and uh, but it was kind of cool to see what we're up against, quote unquote, as far as how valuable people think their property is and stuff. And so, if ever we do get a place and God works out some miraculous thing, and then we're gonna he only he can get the credit because it's just out of our league at this point. Um, so we we looked at at property like that. I um, met with the the guys who who are over the Batners area of all the Baptist churches and because um, they're always kind of eye- eyeballing real estate and buildings and stuff like that. And so I went to them, and they, they didn't really have anything. Um, and uh, we looked at some churches. Uh, well, let me back up. We've, we've always said from the beginning that um, we want to go toward LSU. You know, We want to go west, and we want to end up in the, in the LSU area, not necessarily right on top of the campus, but just like in that area, to put us closer to where college students live, but not so close that we are labeled as a college-only church. Um, and so, uh, so we looked at churches in that area, and um, there was one that doesn't have a Sunday night service, but but uh, we wouldn't fit in there. And um, there's not a lot of open doors in that sense. And um, so a lot of things just kind of were closed in that way. Um, there's uh, there are, are a couple of things we didn't look at. We didn't look into buying real estate. Uh, because we honestly, I just don't feel like we're we're there yet, you know, um, to look to buy land. Um, I've seen way too many big pieces of land with a sign that say "Future Home of" you know whatever church, and they're there for like 20 years, you know. And I was like, no, I don't think that's us. Um, and and we haven't really looked into uh, non-Baptist churches. Uh, there are a few that I'm going to get a hold of and try and just see like, hey, this is our situation. What do you think? Um, but there's there's basically at this point there's one option on the table, and um, I I personally love it, and it is the BCM. Um, the BCM is being renovated, as many of you know. Some of you do not know because you choose to skip community group on those nights, but we won't talk about that. Um, 
Ooh, sorry, didn't see your toe there. Um, <laughs> the the BCM is being completely renovated, and um, we um, we've been sending the community groups every Monday and Tuesday for the past couple of months to work on it. Um, I assure you that was not a, a tool of manipulation to get you to emotionally connect to the building and feel like like we're like Amish, man. We like built our own church with our hands. Uh, that enough, long before we knew this was happening. Um, yeah. Anyway, um, at, at this point, that is really the only option, short of uh, convincing a church to let us meet in their sanctuary and us having to move to like a early afternoon service between their morning and night, which we're really not a fan of that either. Um, at this point, the BCM is is the only feasible option on the table. And from where the elders are, are from our perspective, um, that is not at all a, uh, we're having to settle for the BCM. There's a lot of what seems to be provenance and sovereignty of God involved in um, the timing and the fact that, that God got us involved several months ago in helping to renovate the place um, and the idea that um, they've got this, they're this brand new facility basically with um, the entire worship center already set up. There's no teardown. There's no, like the band can walk in and plug their stuff in and, and start practicing. Um, we would only set up nursery space, basically. Um, it puts us, admittedly, closer to the campus than um, maybe we would hope to end up, which is why um, we're, we look at this as, a, as our next temporary location. Um, we're not going to go and set up over there and be like, we're finally home. No, it's, it's the next stop on the journey. At, at this point, um, I, know, I know I talk as though it's a lock, and I guess with no other options, it kind of is a lock in a sense. But we're still, now that we're going public with it, we're still praying about what could happen, you know. And me talking about this tonight, one of you guys may walk up and be like, hey, my dad owns this big building that's been empty for 12 years, and y'all could pretty much have it. Uh, that would be great too. So if that's the case, I'll be right over there tonight. Um, but at this, at this point, that's what it looks like. Um, Assuming that that's the way that we end up going, um, probably in early summer, we'll pack up and head that way. And that'll give us a summer to kind of figure out what it's like to be us over there. Um, we kind of know what it's like to be us here, and we know what it's like to be us in the sanctuary, and we've got a little taste of what it's like to be us in the new gym, but we've never, ever met anywhere else. And so that'll give us several weeks to kind of figure out what's going on, and then when school starts, we'll be good to go. And so a um, couple of things. Don't, don't leave here tonight and say, man, I can't believe Parkview's giving us the boot, because they're not. They never said that. They never really even implied that. But what they told us, we took back, and we took that as God saying, okay, you're, you're ready for a physical move. And from the, from the beginnings of when we started the ring, I was like, you know what, I I don't know that, that we could survive a physical move at this point. As bad as I wanted to not, like, like to have our own place or to go where we were supposed to go or to hurry up and get there, um, I just knew, like, we're just not ready for that. Um, and it's, it's almost like for two years God's had us here to be able to, to grow us, you know, 
and to have us connect with each other relationally and, and spiritually and to learn what it means to walk in community with and not have our identity be this building where we meet, you know, or, or anything else like that. Um, in uh, Exodus 12, um, it talks about how when, it, when God got the Israelites out of Egypt and uh, he was, you know, bring them to the promised land, it says that, that he, he didn't bring them sh- like through the Philistine country, even though that would have been faster. It would have been shorter, you know, point A to point B. But in between there, there's this, this, all these Philistines, and they would have, it, it says it, it says, um, because they're, they're going to get there, they're going to face war, they're going to panic, and they're going to turn, they're going to run back to Egypt. It says, so God brought them, um, one translation calls it the roundabout way. He didn't go sh- like straight there, he brought them through the desert and kind of like took this different path. It's because they didn't have the faith and the trust in God that it was going to take for them to walk into a war <laughs> be like, you know, God's going to fight this battle for us. They, it wasn't their fault. They had been slaves for all these years. They just didn't, they didn't know any better. And so God brought them off to the side to kind of to, to train them a little bit and to train them to trust him, you know. They get out there and they have no food. And they're all complaining. They're like, we don't have any food. And at least in Egypt, when we were slaves, but at least we had, you know, pots of meat to sit around. And God was like, okay, watch this. And he made this manna appear on the ground they're like we don't know what it is but it tastes good and uh god's like yeah see no food i give you food you know no water and moses strikes this rock and water comes out see no water water they don't know where they're going and god provides this this uh pillar of fire for them to follow at night you know this cloud during the day and when it stopped they stopped and it moved they moved and and it he was just training them to, to trust me. No, no matter what you need, no matter what step is next, no matter what is ahead, you just need to trust that I'm in, in control and I'm in command of all this stuff. And i got a plan for you. And if you just trust me, everything's going to work out. And so I, I feel like that's a, a part of what has happened here for, for the last two years is that we've learned that, man, we don't, we don't know how to do a lot of stuff. You know, we didn't know how to put together a a constitution and bylaws for a church or how you start a nonprofit organization or, you know, how do you do this? And how do you start a nursery? How do you start a kids ministry or a youth ministry? And, and I mean, how do you, how do we do these things? How do we collect an offering and who's going to count it? And how do you keep track of it? And there's all these questions and every step of the way, every little example, God's just said, okay, l- let me show you. Just, just trust me to show you, trust me to show you, trust me to show you. And so our two years here at Parkview, kind of in our little incubator here, like now we're, we're ready, we're obviously ready because he's bringing us. And so now we move to another temporary spot. And what's going to happen is all the things that we've learned, we put those into practice and we keep doing that. And then he just adds, he's just going to keep adding stuff. We just sang about greater things have yet to come, you know, in our city. And so by us relocating, if we really believe in the sovereignty of God and we really believe that Jesus is the head of the church and that this church is his and he guides us and he directs us, then we have to believe he's bringing us wherever it is to put us in better position to minister to the city that we're called to. So that's that. That's where, that's where we are. Um, please don't go out of here and say we're getting kicked out because we're not. And please don't go out here saying we're taking over the BCM because we're not. Um, we are the Ring Community Church who's been meeting in the gym at Parkview Baptist Church. And now we'll just be the Ring Community Church that meets 
wherever it is that we go. And uh, it's going to be good, and I hope that you're excited about it. And it's interesting to me, there's just a lot of, of God's sovereignty that plays into it. And um, very interesting that we've been talking about what we've been talking about and how uh, you know this sermon series on consumerism and stuff like that um, fits so well into what's going on. But yet it was, it was two or three months ago that I started thinking about this and praying about this and, and had it planned. And, I mean, only God knew that the Sunday before I start talking about it is when I have this meeting with Colin Wimberly. You know, and we have that elder meeting. We start praying about stuff. And um, it's just, it's amazing. And really, this is kind of how I look at it. We've talked the last two weeks about how um, being an American, we have very much a, a consumer mindset when it comes to pretty much everything in life. And we've talked about how it is when we're buying TVs or lawnmowers or whatever, and then how dangerous it is when we apply those, that same kind of thinking to our relationship with God um, and as far as like how we walk with the Lord or how we trust Him with different parts of our life, um, you know, stuff like that. But the move as a church, this gives us... Um, an opportunity to walk in obedience to the things that God's been teaching us, but to do so in a corporate sense. You know, if you've been here the last two weeks, you probably heard things that we've talked about, and maybe they've struck a chord in different ways. But and all of us are so different. But here's this this big example that all of us are going to walk through together, where we get to apply this. And some sometimes sometimes it works the other way around. You know, sometimes there are there are individual lessons that we learn that uh, have a corporate impact on a church. And sometimes there are things we walk through corporately and we get to watch how everybody deals with this and how everybody moves forward. And then we see this tangible example that then teaches us how to handle our own individual lives. And so it's cool how the the individual corporate dynamic thing kind of works. And um, we're going to hop around scripture a good bit right now. Um, So hang on. Go to Luke chapter 9. One of the big things we we need to walk away with tonight is, okay, how are are we going to handle this transition as a church? And I know not everybody that's here is, uh, like, I know some of you here for the first time. Like I said, it won't be all business meeting. I believe that there are the things we're going to talk about you can apply to your life uh, very easily. And so don't feel like, great, I picked the wrong night to come. Um, so as we walk through this stuff together, Luke nine twenty three. Jesus says to his disciples, uh, If anyone would come after me, he must deny himself and take up his cross daily and follow me. And we've talked about how consumers want things at a low cost, low expectations. Don't expect me to pay much. Don't expect me to get to know my cashier. Don't expect um, any time of me. I want like this purchase to happen really, really quickly. Um, don't waste my time. 
just don't expect much out of me. And we talked about how Jesus is, I mean, he tells us pretty much the opposite of that. And so we can't really apply that to what it means to follow Christ because Jesus says right here, if you want to follow me, you have to deny yourself and take up your cross daily and follow me. And so one way we have to handle this transition as a church is that each of us individually must be doing this every single day. We have to say no to self. We have to say it's not about what I want. It's not about what's going to make me the most happy. I'm going to walk in the path of Christ today. Mike Bonhoeffer said, I'm when Jesus calls a man, he bids him to come and die. And so every day we come to Jesus and we die to ourselves. We deny ourselves. We pick up that cross and we say, whatever you have for me today, uh, I'm, I'm following you. I'm in. Louis Giglio says it like this. If you're going, I'm going. I kind of like that. So simple. If you're going, I'm going. And so if every one of us is doing that individually, then corporately, I mean, what a powerful church that would be. An entire church body that's every day denying themselves and walking in the path of Christ no matter what it takes. Every day we come and we die, every single day. So if all of us are doing that in our individual lives, when it comes to this move and this transition, we have, we, the same thing happens. Because it'd be real easy for us to, to think about, well, how's this going to uh, affect me? And sure, that's a natural thought process. All of us have to think that way. You have to think, wow, if the, when, the, when the ring moves, I mean, like, like that's going to affect me. But it's like, what, what kind of impact does that have on your life? You know, how, how maturely do we deal with that? We can pout and we can say, man, I live real close to Parkview. Now I'm about to drive all the way to LSU. Man, I hate parking around that BCM play. I can't, you can't park there. What about when it rains? Or on the other side, you can be like, yes, I live 30 seconds from there. I'm supportive. Go elders, you know. Um, and so the denial of ourselves... We, we stop asking those questions, you know. So, no, it's not about me. It's about Jesus. And if Jesus is going to the BCM, I'm going to the BCM, you know. If Jesus is going to the, some random building somewhere that he's going to drop into our lap, I'm going there. If i got to drive further, I'll leave earlier, you know. So one way we have to handle this transition is to live out Luke 9:23 and apply it not only to all the other areas of life but into this area particularly. So that means that we as a church have got to be praying in this direction. It needs to be just a natural part of of how we live. And I hope that you pray for our church more than during the 30 days of prayer when we hand you a devotional. But if you don't, let me ask you to add this to your list. So corporately, we get to experience what it means to deny ourselves, take up our cross, and to follow him. And it's going to be awesome to see, to see that fleshed out church-wide. And hopefully we can learn how that applies to our own lives by watching the way other people go through it. It's going to be awesome. Flip over to John 
chapter 15, where we were last week. Last week, we talked about um, the difference in being a consumer and a producer. An example being, um, we, we tend to think that, that corporate worship is, is about us. It's something we consume to the point where if we don't like the songs or we, we're bored in the message or you know, whatever, that we kind of walk out and we're like, man, that did nothing for me. I got nothing out of that. I, I can't, those songs were terrible. I can't believe we sang that song about the city. <laughs> you know? I don't even like our city. Well, I don't care if God's doing has more things to do or not. I don't like living here. I can't wait to get out of here. You know, whatever. Um, and so there's this idea that at some point, like worship has been something we just, we are so, we just consume it. Instead of it being something that we produce. Walking to a worship service saying, I'm, I'm going to produce worship tonight. I'm going to sing. I'm going to pray. I'm going to be. I'm going to take this seriously. This is about Him. Whatever I get, that is lanyap. That is awesome, and I'm great. So grateful that things trickle down to me. But this is all about Him. In Luke, I'm sorry. In John 15, verse 5, it says, "I am the vine; you are the branches. If a man remains in me, and I in him, he will bear much fruit." Apart from me, you can do nothing. If anyone does not remain in me, he's like a branch that is thrown away and withers. Such branches are picked up, thrown into the fire, and burned. If you remain in me and my words remain in you, ask whatever you wish, and it will be given to you. This is to my Father's glory that you bear much fruit, showing yourselves to be my disciples. So that's another thing we have to do is we put this into practice and we abide in Christ. We stay connected to God all the time so that his life is flowing through us and we are producing fruit, whether that's worship, whether that's compassion, whether that's mercy, whether that's kindness, whether that's peace. I mean, you, you name it, we are just producing fruit so that glory is brought to the Father. That's the goal of, of our individual lives. If all of us are denying ourselves, taking up our cross, following him, empowered by the abiding spirit of god in us and producing fruit imagine corporately when that happens you press us all together and i mean that's strong and so as we transition we still have to we have to continue to do that we talked last week about um like how one of the struggles with being a consumer is that, is that we ask the wrong questions. You know, we want to know, um, does this meet my needs? Does this make me happy? Does, this, does, it, does it work the way I want it to? And really the, the bottom line, it comes down to two things. Is this God's will and is God going to be glorified through this? And so corporately in this transition, we ask ourselves the same questions. Is, it, is this God's will for us? Your will be done, to quote Jesus. So if it's God's will for us to pack up and to move somewhere and it's inconvenient for you or it's convenient for you or, or you have bitterness toward the BCM or LSU or whatever, um, okay, well, if we're denying ourselves and we're following him and the big question and the big desire of our hearts is his will be done and he's glorified through his will being carried out, then we should be good to go. And whatever we end, wherever we end up going, that, that should thrill us to no end that his will is being carried out because that means he's going to be glorified. 
And so if you're in a place and you're like, I'm just not, like, I'm not real excited about moving. I don't like change or it's inconvenient or, or it's just, you know, whatever. I, you know, I'm, I like it being at Parkview. And I, I'm worried about the unknown of going somewhere else. Then you know what? That becomes the things that we pray toward. That becomes, that's, that's how Christians deal with stuff like this. We don't complain and we don't like, you know, start some like divisive faction like against moving to the BCM or, you know, whatever. Like, like we deal with things in prayer. I'm not saying don't voice your concerns. I welcome any questions you have, any like good angles, bad angles, whatever. Like, please give us that feedback. But don't you dare come to me and gripe at me about something if you've not prayed about it first. I wouldn't come up here and preach a sermon or come and bring something from the elders if we hadn't prayed about it. That's how we deal with stuff. So we start taking it to the Lord. We live out that denial of self and, and those principles, and we continue to abide in Christ. That's how, that's how we're going to handle this transition. And sure, there are going to be concerns and questions, and we're going to have problems and we're gonna have to try to figure out how to do some stuff we're gonna do it together and we're gonna do it as god leads us to do it he's gonna show us whatever is next whatever is next whatever is next there's something we we have to keep in mind as a church and i am terrified that that one day the ring community church is going to miss this it's just one of my one of my fears. Um, my uh, research assistant, Mr. Jonathan Wilmore. Where's Jonathan? There he is. Jonathan did a little uh, a little research for me this week. I asked him to find out how many churches there were in the Baton Rouge area, and so he got the phone book out. And if you total up the uh, African Methodist Church of Christ Assembly of God Episcopal Baptist Lutheran Catholic, um, Methodist, Presbyterian, Pentecostal, Episcopal, African Methodist, Episcopal, full gospel, and non-denominational, there are 1,138 churches in our area. That's nuts. And that's just the ones in the phone book. Make it 1,139 because we don't have a phone number. (laughs) But we have a website, you know. Um, 1,140 churches in Baton Rouge. And you, and you know what just baffles me? I'm like, all right, we have that many churches. Why in the world is Baton Rouge not just known for being a Jesus city, you know? Why? Like, why? Why is there so little impact Is it because all 1,100 of these churches are nothing but consumers and blah, 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 blah? I, I don't know. That's not my place to judge any other church. I'm here to make sure that our church stays where it's supposed to stay. And the elders are here to make sure that I make sure that that happens. If you are a, a part of our church, you need to know this now, Okay. We will never exist for ourselves, ever. We won't. What do I mean by that? If you look 
in Matthew 22. It's awesome to me that through this whole deal about consumerism, everything that God's brought me to has been written in red. Matthew 22:37. They asked him, Jesus, what the greatest commandment was. He said, love the Lord your God with all your heart, with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. All the law and the prophets hang on these two commandments. See, that sums up corporately what we're all about. We love God with all we have. That he is the supreme treasure of our lives. And his glory is all that we seek. And we exist for that purpose. And underneath that purpose, we exist for other people. And so one day when we get a building, you need to know this. It's going to be used and abused like a real building needs to be. We're, never, we're not going to have this shrine, okay? We're not going to have a, a weight room in it that's for church members only, all right? We're not going to have um, all this stuff in there that makes us more comfortable and the needs of the community come second to that. All right, we're going to put the glory of God first. We're going to put the needs of the community second, and then we're going to adjust beneath that somewhere. So if we have a building, and the the way our community is touched the best is by um, having a, a worship space that we pick up and tear down every week, even though it's ours, we're going to do that. Because if that means we're going to set it up and it's going to be nothing but but tables and stuff, because we're going to run a soup kitchen during the week, then we're going to we're going to do that. All right, if we're going to take a building and reconfigure it so that we can set up a, a, a daycare for low-income families in, in, in the city, and so that means that our walls get you know, beat up and, and written on with markers and stuff like that, and we have to paint them a lot, then we're going to paint them a lot. You know? We're going to do that. Because when we look at Commandment 1 and Commandment 2, I mean... Like, that should, that should be the, the absolute, we should just get so fired up by that. See, that's what we get to do as the church. We love God, and a part of how we love him is by loving other people. If that means we stack chairs till Jesus comes back, we'll stack them. Right? So you need to know that. And I hope that you're on board with that. And if you're not on board with that, I say this in all love and humility, there's 1,138 other places you could go. That's what God has called us to. The Great Commission, Jesus says, go into all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father, the Son, and the Holy Spirit, and teaching them what I have commanded you. That's the church existing for others and for the glory of God. Commandment 1, Commandment 2. Acts 1, 8. You'll be my witnesses in Jerusalem, in Judea, and Samaria, and to the ends of the earth. He sends the church into their cities. Scripture is very clear. 
by what the church is called to. And so we live out in this context of us moving. We get to live out corporately some of these things that God's been stirring in us and he's been teaching us. So wherever we end up going, is it his will? Is he glorified by this? And whatever, however he answers that, when he says, yes, this is my will, and yes, you know that my will being carried out brings me glory, then we pack up and we roll. Turn to Genesis chapter 12. This is, um, this is what the elders looked at that first night after we got the news and we were trying to figure out what we were going to do. Genesis 12, verse 1, says, The Lord has said to Abram, Leave your country, your people, and your father's household, and go to the land I will show you. So that's, that's kind of where we are, right? Leave everything that you, that you know, everything you're comfortable with, everything that's familiar, and go, and I'll, I'll show you where to go. So we're kind of in the process of, of doing this and bringing everybody onto the same page. But look at verse 2. Look at what he tells him. I will make you into a great nation, and I will bless you. I will make your name great, and you will be a blessing. I will bless those who bless you, and whoever curses you, I will curse. And all the people on earth will be blessed through you. Now, we can't draw direct parallels, okay? That's tricky. But look at, look at the big picture of what he's telling him. Guys, look, I'm going to take care of you. And through the way I take care of you, you're going to take care of other people. So even in the Old Testament, God was all about using his people to bless other people. So, verse 4, Abram left as the Lord had told him, and Lot went with him. Abram was 75 years old when he set out from Haran. He took his wife Sarah, his nephew Lot, all the possessions they had accumulated, and the people they had acquired in Haran. And they set out for the land of Canaan, and they arrived there. Got all his stuff, got all his people, and they went. And so the next couple of months, we get to experience our own pilgrimage, so to speak. And so I'm asking you to pray and to be obedient. And to trust. We can't go wrong, especially when those when that's like when that's the context in which we make decisions and we move together. And so I pray that our church has a huge impact in Baton Rouge. And I think that's one of my one of the things that excites me the most about the move is that God wouldn't move us to be stagnant. He's moving us so we can reach our city in more of the way that he's called us to do so. And so 
we're going to pray ourselves onto the same page in the next couple of months. I'm not saying anybody's all dead against it. I don't know. It doesn't matter to me. If you're for it or against it, it doesn't matter at this point. We're going to pray and ask God to bring us to the point where we are one in heart and mind. We may already be there. Yeah, I don't know. And hopefully as we experience this corporately, we learn how to apply some of these same things to our lives as individuals. Let's pray together.